This official podcast coverage of AusCert's 2012 conference is brought to you by Arbor Networks. Smart, available, secure. Datacom TSS. Discreet, niche, tailored. And Sophos, secured. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special sponsor interview from the AusCert 2012 conference. I'm Patrick Gray. At the OSCERT conference last week, I caught up with Phil Petrovsky, a threat researcher with Sophos, as well as Rob Forsyth, a director of Sophos here in Australia. And really what this chat is mostly about is interface, user versus technology. Uh, and we cover a few topics in it. How users are finding it increasingly difficult to determine when a warning dialogue or a pop-up is genuine or fake. How online crime syndicates are investing a great deal more effort into prettying up their graphics and uh, writing good copy. And then finally, we chat about how mobile operating systems like Android have succeeded by making extraordinarily complicated things appear very, very simple and what the security implications of that approach could be. I started off by asking Phil just how hard it is for the average user to tell when they're being suckered by a dodgy dialogue. with something like fake AV, they frame it in a way that looks very legitimate. It looks like it's supposed to do, look like it's doing what it's supposed to do. It scans your computer or pretends to and tells you that there's something going on that, you know, you don't want there and therefore you hand over your money. Um, but, but this is a fundamental issue, isn't it, when we're dealing with technology? In the, you know, we saw Evil Grade, a bit of software come out a couple of years ago, which would throw fake updates to a computer. So if you could man in the middle of it, or, you know, uh, I think you can even run it on a web server that if someone hits it, it throws an update at them and then you can get them to install anything you want. But the fact is, it's very difficult for a user to determine what is and is not a legitimate update dialogue, for example, right? Yeah, it is. Um, one, of, one of the situations we often come across is that a customer will send in a sample that they believe to be something, you know, malicious and it's actually completely clean. And that, pr that is actually the most difficult part of the job as far as I can see because you look for every possible thing that it could be doing wrong, but you can't find anything bad. So you keep looking and looking and looking and you can't tell. So an inexperienced user doesn't even know what to look for in the first place. A, a lot of simple malware doesn't do very many things that are that difficult to determine that there's something wrong, but they're under the covers. You don't look. No one looks at their registry. No one looks at random temporary files and stuff and what's going on in the computer they don't look at the task manager and if they do what are they going to see they'll see another svc host so what are they going to think of that there's five others why can't we have a sixth one all that all those situations mask themselves very well so rob forsyth i understand uh, uh that you have noticed i mean you've been in the av business a long time you've noticed that the bad guys are increasingly spending more time on prettying up the components of their of their badware uh, to fool users because they've realised that it's an effective way of, of, of installing stuff on, on computers is that social vector. It really seems to have kicked up a notch lately, hasn't it? What they've done is they've continued to develop malware in different ways. They've looked at um, the 
call home functionality, whether the keystroke loggers and the other elements um, are still being effective. But they've also upped the ante by making the graphical user interface, the part that deals with the end user, much more sophisticated. They've probably got marketing departments involved now where they're using better graphic and design. They're doing more research into what the real products look like so that end users are more and more confused about what they're seeing. Is this legitimate or is it illegitimate? How do I tell? It has become very difficult for users to actually tell when they're dealing with a legitimate warning dialogue uh, in the example of, say, a fake update, a fake upgrade, a fake AV uh, alert. It is borderline impossible. When I try to think of a set of instructions that I could pass on to a user to tell them how to identify what is and what is not legitimate, it's very difficult, isn't it? I think you're right. The way in which we communicate as an industry is probably quite poor and we've, we've got to get better at that because by the time you go through your list of do's and don'ts, all you've done is terrify the end user. They have no idea and they're no better protected than they were before. So I think what we have to do is trust, unfortunately, trust IT vendors us and others to provide better detection and it's really up to the IT industry to lift its game and not continue blaming end users for, for the shortcomings that uh, their industry is perhaps providing. I can actually recall a specific example of when someone rang me up and said, look, you know a little bit about this security stuff, right? I've got this, this warning on my computer and they read to me this warning and they asked me if it was legitimate or not. I couldn't tell them. I, I, Absolutely, I get, and I think everyone in our industry around barbecues or uh, uh, dinner parties are asked questions about security from time to time. And unfortunately, I don't have clever answers. Uh, the RSL has a wonderful phrase about the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, and that probably should apply to our industry. Now, do you think that that is actually? I mean, we, we talk about, we've got various technologies that deal with trust and verification in terms of you are dealing with who you're supposed to be dealing with or this update is signed or that one isn't. So there, there is technology out there that can help with this, but it seems that it's not being very well applied. Do you think that our operating systems perhaps need to work more closely with software vendors uh, so that users can actually tell when they're being asked to perform legitimate actions versus illegitimate actions? Or do you think it's just always going to be a somewhat intractable problem? No, it's not going to be intractable. We'll get this right. This is the fastest change in human history. Um, we've got massive change year by year. If you look at what the Obama government's currently doing with trusted identities in cyberspace, they're investing a lot of money to try to disprove that 1978 cartoon in the New Yorker in that no one knows you're a dog on the internet. I don't think it was 78, was it? Perhaps not 78, actually. Come to think of it, uh, I was still uh, dealing with punch cards back then. So the um, cartoon in the New Yorker was making a joke about how no one knows who you are on the internet. So governments around the world, including the Australian government, doing more research into finding ways that you can actually prove if you're under 18, you're on appropriate sites for under 18-year-olds, and if you're over 18, you get access to sites that uh, could be uh, appropriate for over 18s. Technology's getting better at this, and people are getting better, but unfortunately the bad guys get better too. Now, Phil, we were discussing this last night, and you've got a very interesting take on, on Android, because of course it's a Linux-based operating system that is extremely complicated. But... You know, and yet everyone, every man and his dog sort of walking around with this Linux box in their pocket. Now, your take on this, which I found quite interesting, is that, you know, when people were using this sophisticated operating system in the past, they would actually have to understand it in order just to get it to work. Whereas these days, it's all just ready to roll. I mean, do you think it makes people more vulnerable when they just fundamentally don't understand how their OS works? 
Uh, I think it does. They, I think that um, the the other problem is that it's actually an abstraction layer that's sat, sitting on top of it, where people are actually fully unaware of the operating system that's sitting underneath. Yeah, it's just a screen with pretty icons on it. Exactly, right? it's just got a couple of pictures and stuff, and that, that's all. You've, you you just click a few buttons, and you've got your email and all that. The Android model allows you to write native Linux code if you feel like doing it, but if you don't know what it means to do that, and someone makes you get an application which uses that, you don't know, you don't care. You just say, why not? Because I want Angry Birds. Uh, I saw an example the other day where a simple screensaver application was changing your homepage to something that looked exactly like the Google search uh, interface. The tabs looked similar, just the way that you would see on the phone. If you didn't think to look that the address was different, and in fact, Android hides the address when you when you go to that site. You're not going to look, you're not going to care, you're just going to search for whatever you want to look for. They can do whatever they want. So I guess what you're saying is back in the day, people used to, there was an expectation that people would actually understand the technology a little bit better because they needed to in order for it to work, and now it's just completely abstract, all based around, you know, serving a functional purpose. Exactly. Do you think that's going to change? Because I don't see that changing. I don't think it is. I'm, I'm not actually really sure of how to think towards the future on this because things will be getting more and more complex in order to make everything look simpler for the end user. And when you want to, when you get your brand new phone, it asks you, do you want to register your Gmail? Do you want to import all your stuff? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And you do it because why not? When, when you subscribe to Facebook, it asks you what your email address is and what your password is so it can get all your emails from there and see if all your friends are on Facebook as well. And it's all these tempting little shortcuts that um, make you vulnerable to the problems that we're going to see on these technologies. So I guess you're saying that the simplicity is an illusion. Yeah. All right, well, Phil and Rob, thank you very much for having a chat to us here at OSSERT. No worries. Thank you very much, Patrick. 